AI gets worse and worse, and people are making it bad. Got a story for you tonight you will not believe. The FBI warns about EV charging stations? Mm-hmm. And a teacher threatens to shoot her kids in the classroom. And guess what happened? Nothing! Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Hello, everybody. Yeah, we just a, a quick note. Uh, protect your online activity with the best and the easiest VPN, NordVPN. Use our special link in the show notes below. You'll get an incredible deal. Three months, 59% off, NordVPN. Now, look, our last show, we were live, and we had a big audience in our live stream. And then what normally happens is that Rumble renders the video out, and then it's up there to watch forever. And you can you don't have to watch us live. You can catch us anytime that's convenient for you. But somehow, my live stream video, when it was rendering, got stuck in some endless loop somewhere. And it sat there for two plus days while I was back and forth with customer service trying to say, hey, guys, there's a problem. And I never got a reply. Anyway, finally today I got a hold of somebody and we got it fixed. They got it fixed. It's there. Our last stream is now available to watch. So check it out. If you missed it, it's there. But thank you for joining us in here tonight. And uh, while you're here, please just take a quick moment to right over there, click that follow button. It's quick. It's easy. It's absolutely free. And it helps the show out a lot. We, we picked up a lot of followers in the last uh, couple of days. So uh, thanks for that very much. All right. Uh, we got lots coming up on the show tonight. We'll also uh, continue on with our book, White Fang. We're almost done. I think we got one more chapter to go. And then we'll move on. We're going to start reading George Orwell's 1984. Very appropriate. Right now, though, it's time to get you updated on our favorite furry little friend. That would be Miko, our Shiba Inu baby who is three years old, and this is her earlier today at the top of the stairs. Yeah, I've got that, I forget what they call this kind of flooring, but it's all over my house. Anyway, she was just striking a pose at the top of the stairs today, and uh, looked like she was on top of the world, so I quoted a Carpenter's song. <laughs> she, uh, you know what? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I hate to even admit this. Um, I forgot we were out of canned food. So tonight, uh, we had one of the barf raw food frozen packs left, which I'm not going to give her anymore, but we did have one left, so I gave her that. So anyway, always pay attention to your supply of dog food. That's very important. It's also very important to pay attention to your supply of dog treats and dog toys. And that's why the Miko update is brought to you by BarkBox. BarkBox.com slash Miko is our special link. It'll get you a great deal of an extra month free. BarkBox is a monthly subscription service. You'll get delivered right to your door, a cool box full of themed toys, treats, and dog chew. Every month, you get two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew. And every month is a new theme based on whatever holiday is that month. They do Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Easter. So anyway... Check it out, BarkBox.com slash Miko. And for the month of April only, 
There's two links. You have a choice in our show notes. BarkBox.com slash Miko is a normal link where you get the free extra month. But if you click the second link, that will get you a double box on your first order. Instead of two, two, and one, you get four toys, four bags of treats, and two dog chews. That'll keep your pup happy. BarkBox.com slash Miko or that other link in our show notes if you want to check them out. Please do that. I'm hearing all kinds of weird noises. I think my house is haunted. Thank you, BarkBox. Thank you for uh, helping out, sponsoring the show. All right, we got a lot going on tonight. Oh, man, we do have a lot going on tonight. And some of these stories are just going to, well, they're going to do two things. They're going to piss you off and they're going to make you shake your head. We do that a lot on this show. We make you shake your head. Now, look, I hadn't planned on covering this because it's been all over the news. Everybody knows about it. But I figured I would at least put the link in there, let you read it if you hadn't been updated yet. Uh, That big classified document leak, which has been all over the news for the last few days. Well, the FBI has arrested a man in connection with that leak. He is a, uh, what is it, like a 21-year-old? Yeah, 21 years old, Jack Tizira. He taken into custody without incident. Um, he was arrested by agents at his home in North Dighton, Massachusetts, in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. Uh, apparently this guy is some sort of national guardsman, uh, a Massachusetts Air National Guard member. Uh, he couldn't be reached for comment. It wasn't clear whether he had retained any counsel, and he's expected to make his uh, first court appearance in federal court in Massachusetts. That is him right there. But uh, as a lot of people have said, This really, there's no way some 21-year-old newbie in the Massachusetts Air National Guard would have access to anything, less a chance that he he was able to download, reproduce documents, highly classified documents. There is no way a National Guardsman in his 20s single-handedly had access to all these classified intelligence, pulled off this disclosure by himself. What I'd like to know is who in the DOD gave him the access. He had to be given access. I I really don't think some 21-year-old Air National Guardsman hacked his way through the system. This is some Biden cover-up, I am telling you. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time it will out what it is, but uh, this is this is beyond crazy. All right, like I said, didn't want to spend a whole lot of time. Just want to at least acknowledge that that is out there, and uh, you can follow the story if you want. If you want to check it out, the link is in our show notes, and you can uh, you can read up on it. There's it's all over the news. It's like the number one story everywhere, which is usually why we, I mean we don't try not to cover the thing that everybody knows about here. Uh, but one thing, uh, and in fact, our headline tonight, which is about artificial intelligence, we've done segments on this before. We've talked about it before. We've mentioned it before. And uh, it just kept getting, keeps getting curiouser and curiouser. And now, 
You know, people are worried about AI becoming super intelligent, uh, taking over, killing us all. You know, the chances are we're going to kill each other before AI has a chance. Check out this unbelievable story. Fake kidnappers simulated a teen's voice through AI and used it to demand ransom from her mother. There she is, and there's the mother. Unbelievable. An Arizona mother went into a panic after she got a phone call from a man claiming to have kidnapped her daughter. The phone call, or the daughter's voice on the phone call, turned out to be an AI-generated hoax. Jennifer Stefano from Scottsdale, Arizona, claimed she was at a dance studio with one daughter when she got a phone call about her other daughter, 15-year-old Bree. The call came from an unknown number. So she almost let the call just go to voicemail, but at the last second she answered it. And um, she worried that something might have happened. Well, when she answered the call, she heard her daughter's voice repeating her name. Her daughter, Bree, was sobbing, sounded terrifying, uh, terrified. Bree's voice said through tears, Mom, I messed up. And then an unknown man's voice came on the phone. He told the mom that he had taken Bree hostage and threatened to drug Bree, rape her, and drop her off in Mexico. If Stefano dare tried to contact the authorities, then he demanded that she pay a million dollars ransom to get her daughter back. We have an interview done by one of the news channels here with the mom. Listen to this story. I pick up the phone and I hear my daughter's voice and it says, Mom, and she's sobbing. And I was like, what happened? And she's like, Mom, I, I, I messed up. And she's sobbing and crying. And then I hear a man's voice say, put your head back, lie down. And then I'm like, wait, what, what's going on? And this man gets on the phone and he's like, listen here, I've got your daughter. This is how it's gonna go down. You call the police, you call anybody. I'm gonna pop her stomach so full of drugs, I'm gonna have my way with her and I'll drop her off in Mexico. And at that moment, I just start shaking. I'm like, what? In the background, she's going, help me, mom, please help me, help me, and falling. And you have absolutely no doubt in your mind that that was her voice. Oh, 100% her voice, 100% her voice. 100% her voice. Uh, pff, wow. Uh, anyway, eventually they caught the guy and it was indeed a AI generated voice. All you need, all you need is a short sample. Just a few words in some cases. And in, in some cases, there is free software online that will do this. You send it in, you use a microphone, you send it a voice sample, and then you give it a script or tell it what you want to talk about. And it will. I'm going to try this, and I'll put some of this on our show coming up, maybe on our next, our next stream on uh, Monday, because uh, I'm dying to try this. But this kidnapper guy actually used this AI spoofing stuff to threaten, r ransom the daughter. The daughter, by the way, was completely safe. Everything was fine. She had no idea what was going on. And yet the mom was going through this terrifying ordeal. This is absolutely insane. And if you think it can't happen to you, think again. It happened to Joe Rogan. 
Now, this is not a bad thing. This, this is a weird thing. It has to, once, once again, do with these deep fake AI-generated stuff. AI, Joe Rogan has issued a warning after AI-generated version of his podcast has surfaced. The Joe Rogan experience, everybody's got to know about the Joe Rogan experience. Come on, get in touch, huh? Anyway, it was entirely created through the use of AI technology. Uh, here we go. This is, the, this is it. And he, his guest is the CEO of, uh, of uh, Sam Altman, who is the, uh, the CEO of uh, ChatGPT. Just give a quick listen to this. I'm going to double my voice here for a second. This, this is completely fake. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the Joe Rogan AI Experience. So just like I'm it. your host, Joe Rogan, or at least that's what this AI model thinks I sound like. Let me tell you, folks, this is some next-level stuff we've got going on here today. Every single word of this podcast has been generated with the help of ChatGPT, the cutting-edge AI language model developed by OpenAI. I am not the real Joe Rogan. Let me repeat it once more. I am not Joe Rogan, and the guests are not of the people they portray. This is purely fiction, just for fun, so don't go around making little clips for your TikToks and make the world believe I said things I never said. <laughs> Nothing in this podcast should be taken as said by the real people they portray. This is purely for entertainment purposes and an experience showcasing the amazing advancements in AI technology. So, Wow. That's insane. That sounds exactly like Joe Rogan. And it's completely, as, as Joe Rogan said... <laughs> It is completely fake. That is some next level crap, my friends. Wow. So y'all need to be careful. And when you see stuff out there, stop, take a minute and say, is that real? Hmm. We're all going to get digitized sooner or later. Mm. By the way, oh man, it's so burned out. Can I show you that? No. It's the new Jay Sheldon Show uh, merchandise. Links in our show notes. You can get mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, even a, a Bluetooth speaker. There's all kinds of cool stuff there. Just check out the link. It's in our show notes for uh, Jay Sheldon Show merchandise. All right. We got to uh, talk about another one of our great sponsors here. And among those wonderful folks who pay to be here, is a Brickhouse Nutrition. Yeah, yes. Here we go. There they are. Field of Greens. Fruit, folks, fruits and vegetables, obviously the key to healthy living. Everybody knows that. You got to eat all your colors every day. Well, they are the anchor of a healthy diet. The problem is they're hard to cook. They're hard to prepare. You got to go shopping. They're perishable. How many times have you bought them only to have them go off before you ever get the chance to eat them? Field of Greens is a science-backed. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula. Let me just get the uh, products up here. There we go. 
I knew I'd have that somewhere. Anyway, specific, healthy, wholesome fruits and veggies, all ground into an amazing tasting powder. You just mix it in with your favorite drink. You mix it with water if you want, but orange juice, green tea, whatever. They are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables, not extracts. You look at the package on the back, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts because these are real fruits and vegetables. Several great tasty flavors. You can see some of them there and you will love it. And it is so good for you. You will feel healthy. You will be healthier. Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Use our special link in the show notes. You will get an amazing offer from Brickhouse Nutrition and us at the Jay Sheldon Show. Do check it out. Field of Greens. All right. Uh, I said before that we are all going to be digitized. And if the WEF have its way, that's more true than you would want to know. They welcome big data models and wearable sensors to rethink how we access healthcare. There's the moron Nazi now. They've explained how it envisaged, envisages envisages, that's a hard word to say, uh, the use of AI. Here we go again. See, it's all themed tonight. It's what's referred to as a digital health in defining healthcare in the future. There was a blog post on the WEF's Shambition. The job title is Head of Shaping the Future of Health and Healthcare and writes about the activities that are meant to accelerate work around improving health care. Yeah. Uh, that's going to take both the deployment of technology and the plan. Some of the elements, which should be a, a big data models, tele and predictive medicine. Uh, this is the fun part. Wearable sensors and many platforms and apps. You see, during the pandemic, when, when you had your, your little hand phone and you had your little, here in Malaysia, we had something called My Sajatra, still exists. You had to scan yourself in and out of all the different places you went and they kept track of you. How would you like to have to do that all the time for the rest of your life? You know, like the, the, the feeling of a boot stomping on your head forever. Hmm. Meant to co uh, coincide with World Health Day. The post lays out the WF's idea about the direction healthcare is going, so they think, unless we stop them, and we ought to be doing that right now. The group's interest in this topic as their alleged concern for people's well-being and better access. Yes, here comes that phrase again. It's for the good of everyone. Folks, any chance you get, Anytime you get a hold of any of your representatives, you tell them they run so far away from this WFEF crap. We want nothing to do with these elites and their plan for out these unelected elites, I might add, and their plans for all of our futures. Stop it before it. Well, it's already started. I was going to say stop it before it gets started. Too late for that but we can still stop it and we better because it's just going to get worse before it gets better. 
You're not even safe when you charge your car. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. While I don't put a whole lot of credence into much anything that the FBI has to say these days, this was an interesting story. We don't need Miko. There we go. From the Epic Times, avoid using free public charging station, not just for your EV, but mainly for your phone. This warning comes from the FBI. They're warning people, you know, they have these public charging stations. They're all over the place. You know, you, oh, look, come in and have a coffee and charge your phone for free. They've warned people about using these public charging stations because hackers have been taking advantage of the situation and infecting people's machines with malware. Hotels, airports, shopping centers. The FBI in Denver said bad actors have figured out ways to use these public USB ports to introduce malware and monitoring software into your device. Because when you think about it, when you take that cable and you hook it up to the bottom of your phone, that is the same port that you would hook up a cable if you wanted to connect your laptop to your phone. Same thing. So if they can get in the back end of these USB ports, they, they have control of your phone. It says, carry your charger, your own charger and USB cord and use an electrical outlet instead. Uh, malware, of course, will get in there. It's designed to get access to your data, uh, your devices, perhaps your bank account. I'm telling you, criminals can track your keystrokes, get a hold of personal information, identity fraud, uh, use your financial information to steal funds. And all of this has been happening. It's it's actually happened already. It's called juice jacking. The uh, Federal Communication Commission has also alerted consumers to the dangers of using public USB charging stations. Wow. Could have what they say is unfortunate consequences. <laughs> I would say, huh? But, uh, okay, fair warning. I mean, keep an eye. And when you see one of these... You know, oh, look how convenient a free cable public charging station. It might not be as free as you think it is. That's some scary toast. Ooh. Okay. Uh, we got, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've had a couple of shootings, school shootings. We had the one in Tennessee, we had a potential one in Florida. Well, now, again, the headline, this is from the post-millennial, out of Florida, and once again, and it involves a trans teacher. This is getting out of control, folks. Look at this. But the frightening thing is what didn't happen. Trans Florida teacher Ashley, who allegedly said she was going to shoot the kids Allegedly, she actually said this. Then, she remained in the classroom, despite parents' complaints. There's Ashley now. Parents of students at Fox Chapel Middle School in Hernando County, Florida, demanding an answer from the district after a teacher made concerning comments allegedly made 
about harming children and themselves. Although the district investigated the comments, found them concerning, the teacher was not fired and is back in the classroom. What? When or if, God forbid, something happens? This is going to go nuclear as well it should. Several parents contacted Fox 13 News, the local affiliate there. Each one had the same story about the teacher making comments about harming students and harming herself. They said the comments were made out of frustration with students' behavior, refused to divulge exactly what was said, leading to tension between parents and the board, quoting, while the teacher in question did make a comment to colleagues that was concerning, the school principal could be heard saying in a recording sent to parents Monday, staff and law enforcement determined the comment was not an imminent threat to the campus, but was instead an expression of frustration at student behavior. Sheriff's Office report said a school resource officer responded to the report, said a teacher had made uh, statements about harming her, uh, themselves and possibly shooting students. Sorry, but if you have so little self-control, in the day and age that we live in, weeks away from six innocent people losing their lives in Tennessee, what is it, two weeks, three weeks max, if that? You can't, you don't have enough self-control, enough brains, not to make a comment like this. You're fired, get out, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out, and never come back. You lose your teacher's license, you lose any ability to enter, and you know, matter of fact, you ought to have the same kind of thing as a sex offender does. You can't live within so many yards of a school. Uh, seriously. In this day and age, in the moment we live in right now, some ass makes a comment like that. Zero tolerance, in my opinion. Zero, zero. To That's not a white power symbol. Don't get off on that, liberal freaks. No tolerance for this crap at all. You're fired. Get out. Also gone is your teaching license. Your ability to Make a living at the expense of children. First it's AI, and then it's the other letters. LGBTQ plus LMNOP. You know I can do the alphabet backwards, by the way? I, I really can. I, I don't know why I'm not able to speak backwards. Some people actually have that ability. But since I was little, I was always able to do it. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. I don't know. I'm just weird that way. All right. Speaking of alphabets, here we freaking go again with these idiots. You think Bud Light, and believe me, they lost, what, five or six billion dollars in stock value? Yes. Half of America's 10 most popular beers have LGBT partnerships. Yeah. According to analysis by Newsweek, 
as conservative activists launch a boycott of Bud Light, as well we should, um, they checked to see. Uh, there's Bud Light with their rainbow uh, bottle. Now, you know what? And I've said this before, and and I meant it, and I will stick with what I said. I'll hold to what I said. I have no problem if a company wants to support gay pride, rainbow flag. You know, during June, a lot of companies adopt their version of their logo with a rainbow flag. But when these trans people started going after our children and ruining what the uh, gay and lesbian movement has accomplished, the amazing things they've accomplished in the last 40 years. And now it's all being torn down by these idiots in this trans, this ultra-liberal, activist, moronic trans community who are destroying any bit of good work that's been done. You do you. Okay, that's the number one rule on this show. You do you. Got no problem with that. But according to Beer Maker Insights, I truly believe we go after Bud. We shut him down. Put all your energy into that. We'll pick somebody else down the road. But the 10 best-selling beers in the U.S., Bud Light, Coors Light, Budweiser, Miller Light, <laughs> Corona Extra, Michelob Ultra, Modelo Especial, Natural Light, Bush Light, and Bush. Well, of those, Coors Light, Bud, Miller Light, Michelob Ultra, all have run pro-LGBTQ plus campaigns. Uh, they have not uh, attracted anywhere near the backlash like Bud Light, mainly because they haven't been doing this trans bullshit stuff that's going on right now with this Mulvaney idiot an embarrassment to men and especially women the world over. Um, you know, you want to put a rainbow on your bottle and uh, celebrate pride once a month or something, or once in June or whatever. You're fine. Knock yourself out. You do you. This whole trying to represent women with a man, I'm telling you, this, I give up. I, I just do. I, I truly, truly just give up on this crap. All right, we normally end our uh, discussion of all the little events of the day with some sort of good news. I don't have good news. I got weird news. I got expensive news. But it's not good news. You want to watch the NFL on Sunday? I know. Hopefully, thanks to another rather successful boycott, you're not watching the NFL anymore since they went woke. But... YouTube. <laughs> now YouTube wants up to $489 USD for you to watch NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube TV. Not kidding. It's right there. It's from Red State. The link's in our show notes. Here at the sports desk, they write, located somewhere below the decks of the good pirate ship Red State, Baseball is in full swing. The NHL playoffs start in a few days, and the NBA playoffs have already kicked into gear, and so naturally we're looking at the NFL. <laughs> Google and YouTube's parent company won a bidding war with uh, Alphabet, which is Google, uh, for the rights to NFL Sunday ticket. 
for the uninitiated or rather disinterested, that would be me, NFL Sunday Ticket allows Joe and Jane Fan to follow their teams by watching its games regardless of where you live. Dallas Cowboy devotees stuck somewhere in the Jersey swamps, Miami Dolphin diehard hold up in the Utah hills, not a problem. NFL Sunday Ticket is your ticket to sanity or self-torture if your team is terrible. Anyway, they got the rights, YouTube did. Two billion a year for the NFL? Yow! And what's it going to cost you? Here you go. $489 for the season to watch NFL's Sunday Ticket. Are you kidding me? Now, I know that's expensive to you, especially now in the U.S. with inflation being what it is, everything going on, the prices of everything going up. Nobody can, Everybody's cutting corners and costs like crazy. So that's still a lot of money. But just so you know, if you were to translate that into my local currency here in Malaysia, that's almost $3,000. There are a lot of people here who don't make $3,000, okay? Man, that is unbelievable. This is crazy. Oh, man. All right. (laughs) Hey, guess what it's time for? Yup. It is time for our book. We read books on this show. We've been doing it from the very beginning, 348-something streams ago. Yeah. We've done a ton of shows here. By the way, before before I get into that, I need to explain something to you for the uninitiated. If you look back at the history of this show, it wasn't always called The Jay Sheldon Show. That's me. It used to be called I'm Not Wearing Pants. I know. Here's why. I started doing this show back during the pandemic when we were all locked down. You could barely leave your house. It was a nightmare. So because of that, everybody was online. All of your work was done online. You were at meetings online. We all wore, you know, a button-down shirt or something nice-looking on top. But for the most part, none of us were wearing pants or we were wearing shorts or in some cases, maybe nothing. So I thought, okay, that's kind of cute. We'll start a live stream and we'll call my show I'm Not Wearing Pants because you can't tell anything from here down. So that's why the show, if you look back at our history, some of the, all the earlier first half of all the shows I've done, it's called I'm Not Wearing Pants. That's why. Not because it was some sex show or something, okay? Get over yourself. <laughs> all right. We Anyway, back to it. From almost the beginning, way back in I'm Not Wearing Pants days, I used to read books, and I've continued to do that. One of the main reasons is because I'm a big advocate of reading. I encourage your kids to read. I encourage you to read. One of the things, a brilliant idea is to pick up a book maybe you read a long time ago when you were a kid or a teenager and reread it now as an adult or an older person because your perspectives have changed. Your your look on life has changed. And you'd be surprised how you might interpret a book in an entirely new way. It's quite true. And also, by the way, studies have shown 
While it's important to get a book into your kid's hand, get them reading, get them enjoying, get them loving to read, reading to your child gives them the same brain experience that them reading themselves. So if you just can't get your kid to read on his own, make it an event. Read them a bedtime story. Read a chapter a night. Play back this half of the show where we've read The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, so many classic books. And to keep ourselves back more in the spirit of this show, the way it's uh, now turned out to be kind of news and commentary and politics of the day, uh, someone made the suggestion, and we took them up on it, that we ought to perhaps read George Orwell's 1984. Well, the good news was it is in the public domain. We won't get sued for copyright violations, and I'll be starting that book as soon as we're done with White Fang. Right now... We're going to continue on with the adventures of White Fang. And he had finally gone from like to love for his master. And thus, he was on duty all the time, ever vigilant, ever faithful, the most valuable of all dogs. Making free to spit out what's in me, Matt said one day. I beg to state, that you was a wise guy, all right, when you paid the price you did for that dog. You clean swindled Beauty Smith on top of pushing his face in with your fist. A recrudescent of anger glinted in Whedon Scott's gray eyes, and he muttered, muttered savagely, The beast. In the late spring, a great trouble came to White Fang. Without warning, Give me a second. We had a major malfunction here. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. This is going to take a little bit of time. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. All right. I got to do one more thing. Hold on. Give me a break. Give me a break. I know these things happen. These things happen. I'll figure it out. It's going to take me two seconds. Here we go. All right. I got it. In the late spring, a great trouble came to White Fang. Without warning, the love master disappeared. There had been warning, but White Fang was unversed in such things and did not understand the packing of a grip. He remembered afterwards that his packing had preceded the master's disappearance, but at the time, he suspected nothing. That night, he waited for the master to return. At midnight, the chill wind that blew drove him to shelter at the rear of the cabin, and there he drowsed only half asleep, his ears keyed for the first sound of the familiar step. But at two in the morning, his anxiety drove him out to the cold front stoop, where he crouched and he waited. But no master came. In the morning, the door opened. Matt stepped outside, and White Fang gazed at him wistfully. There was no common speech by which he might learn what he wanted to know. 
The days came and went, but never the master. White Fang, who'd never known sickness in his life, became sick. He became very sick. So sick, Matt was finally compelled to bring him inside the cabin. Also, in writing to his employer, Matt devoted a postscript to White Fang. Whedon Scott read the letter down in Circle City, came upon the following. The damn wolf won't work, won't eat, ain't got no spunk left. All the dogs is licking him, wants to know what's become of you, and I don't know how to tell him. Maybe he's going to die. It was, as Matt had said. White Fang had ceased to eat. Lost heart allowed every dog of the team to thrash him. In the cabin he lay on the floor near the stove without interest in food. In Matt, nor in life. Matt might talk gently to him or swear at him. It was all the same. He never did more than turn his dull eyes upon the man, then droop his head back to its customary position on his forepaws. And then one night, Matt, reading to himself with moving lips, mumbling sounds, was startled by a lone whine from White Fang. He'd gotten up on his feet, his ears cocked towards the door. He was listening intently. A moment later, Matt heard a footstep. The door opened, and Whedon Scott stepped in. The two men shook hands, and then Scott looked around the room. Where's the wolf? he asked. Then he discovered him, standing where he had been lying, near to the stove. He'd not rushed forward after the manner of dogs. He stood, watching, waiting. Holy smoke, Matt exclaimed. Look at him wag his tail. Whedon Scott strode halfway across the room towards him at the same time calling him. And White Fang came to him, not with a great bound, yet quickly. He was awakened from self-consciousness, but as he drew near, his eyes took on a strange expression. Something, an incommunicable vastness of feeling, rose up in his eyes as a light and shone forth. He never looked at me that way all the time you was gone, Matt commented. Whedon Scott didn't hear. He just squatted down on his heels, face to face with White Fang, and petted him, rubbing at the root of the ears, making long, caressing strokes down the neck to the shoulders, tapping the spine gently with the balls of his fingers. White Fang was growling responsively, the crooning note of the growl, more pronounced than ever. But that wasn't all. What of his joy, the great love in him ever surging and struggling to express itself, succeeded in finding a new mode of expression. He suddenly thrust his head forward and nudged his way in between the master's arm and body, and here, confided, hidden from view, all except his ears, no longer growling, he continued to nudge and snuggle. The two men looked at each other. Scott's eyes were shining. Gosh, said Matt in an awe-stricken voice. A moment later, 
When he recovered himself, he said, I always insisted that dog wolf was a dog. Look at him. With the return of the love master, White Fang's recovery was rapid. Two nights and a day he spent in the cabin, then he sallied forth. The sled dogs had forgotten his prowess, and they remembered only the latest, which was his weakness and sickness. At the sight of him, as he came out of the cabin, they sprang upon him. Talk about your rough houses, Matt murmured gleefully, standing in the doorway and looking on. Give em hell, you wolf. Give em hell and then some. Well, White Fang didn't need the encouragement. The return of the love master was enough. Life was flowing through him again, splendid, indomitable. He fought from sheer joy, finding it in an expression of much that he felt and that otherwise was without speech. There could be but one ending. The team dispersed in ignominious defeat, and it wasn't until after dark that the dogs came sneaking back one by one by meekness and humility signifying their fealty to White Fang. Having learned to snuggle, White Fang was guilty of it often. It was the final word. He could not go beyond it the one thing of which he had always been particularly jealous was his head. He'd always disliked to have it touched. It was the wild in him, the fear of hurt of the trap that had given rise to the panicky impulses to avoid contacts. It was the mandate of his instinct that his head must be free. And now, with the love master, his snuggling was the deliberate act of putting himself in a position of hopeless helplessness. It was an expression of perfect confidence, of absolute self-surrender, as though he said, I put myself into thy hands. Work thou thy will with me. Now, one night, not long after the return, Scott and Matt sat at a game of cribbage, preliminary to going to bed. Fifteen-two, fifteen-four and a pair make six. Matt was pegging up, and there was an outcry and a sound of snarling without. They looked at each other, and they started to rise to their feet. The wolves nailed somebody, Matt said. A wild scream of fear and anguish hastened them. Bring a light, Scott shouted as he sprang outside. Matt followed with the lamp, and by its light they saw a man lying on his back in the snow. His arms were folded, one above another, across his face and throat. He was trying to shield himself from White Fang's teeth. There was need for it. White Fang was in a rage, wickedly making his attack on the most vulnerable spot. From shoulder to wrist of the crossed arms, the coat sleeve, blue flannel shirt and undershirt were ripped into rags, while the arms themselves were terribly slashed and streaming with blood. All this the two men saw in the first instant. The next instant, Wheaton Scott had White Fang by the throat and was dragging him clear. White Fang struggled, snarled, made no attempt to bite, while he quickly quieted down at a sharp word from the master. Matt helped the man to his feet, and as he arose, he lowered his crossed arms, exposing the bestial face of 
Beauty Smith. The dog musher let go of him precipitously with actions similar to that of a man who'd picked up live fire. Beauty Smith blinked in the lamplight, looked about him. He caught sight of White Fang, and terror rushed into his face. At the same moment, Matt noticed two objects lying in the snow. He held the lamp close to them, indicating them with his toe for his employer's benefit. A steel dog chain and a stout club. Wheaton Scott saw and nodded. Not a word was spoken. The dog musher laid his hand on Beauty Smith's shoulder, faced him to the right, about. No word needed to be spoken. Beauty Smith started. In the meantime, the love master was patting White Fang and talking to him. Tried to steal you, eh? And you wouldn't have it. Well, well, he made a mistake, didn't he? Must have thought he had a hold of seventeen devils, the dog musher sniggered. White Fang, still wrought up and bristling, growled and growled, the hair slowly lying down, the crooning note remote and dim, but growing in his throat. Coming up on our next stream, we will continue... It is part five, chapter one, called The Long Trail. In White Fang. Brilliant. I love this book. It's such a good book. It's a long book. We have been reading this book forever on this show. But uh, yeah, we'll have more. Uh, and we'll uh, once we wrap it up, we'll be moving on to George Orwell's 1984. All right, friends, thanks so much. Be sure and check out all our list of sponsors in our show notes down, down below. Gets the shelf some great deals. Also, our merchandise. You can check that out at the uh, J. Sheldon Merchandise Store. The link is also in our show notes. And I will see you all again coming up on Monday night. Enjoy it. Have a fantastic weekend. This has been the J. Sheldon Show. Good night. Good <laughs> night.